opinions expressed are not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, the station, or its advertisers. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. Your host, Jesse Gistan, in the house with you. Another gorgeous, gorgeous day in the Bay Area, wouldn't you say? Happens to be May 22nd, 2023. And again, just a fabulous, fabulous, God-ordained day. The weather is perfect. As you know, this time of year, we may have... Uh, lingering clouds in the morning, some overcast till about nine o'clock, but just as faithful as God's word is, the clouds dissipate, the sun emerges, and we have simply a pristine 12, 13, 14 hours to just bask in vitamin D, uh, enjoy the radiance of the sun, and uh, and do what I did. I, I spent quite a bit of time out today riding my bike and doing some walking and um, preparing for the week. So I'm feeling pretty good now, energized, just got back from a small nap uh, and glad to be ready to be talking with you again. Time flies, doesn't it? Absolutely moves with a kind of meteoric swiftness. uh, And it lets us know that this world is not our ultimate dwelling place or destiny, important place, no doubt about it. We're going to talk about some of that here in a moment. Important place to be, important place to do. And in fact, in a lot of ways, our eternity is determined by how we fare down here. But um, time is flying. Time is flying. And May is the month for a lot of marriages. Um, Did a few myself here recently. Um, and uh, just enjoying um, enjoying this season. Man, June, for most folks in America, seems to be the time where people say, I do, I do. And uh, we just finished up a robust three-week presentation of what we call rules of engagement. We do it at least biannually. We try to do it every year, but got, got kind of hit with um, COVID, so that stopped us for three years. But I don't know if you joined us in that three-week excursion through the Word of God around marriage and some of the fundamental challenges in it, largely communication um, at heart level, at identity level, at uh, at calling and purpose level. And uh, if you did, you you might want to, you know, share with me what your thoughts were, particularly if you visited. We had quite a few new visitors come out. Uh, and join us. And, and for those of you who might just be curious as, as to what we talked about, because, you know, we do some Q&A and uh, back and forth and, and things of that nature, had several couples this time share their journey coming into marriage and what their challenges were and, uh, and, and what their suggestion was for younger people moving into this institute, this enterprise, this, uh, this corporation that God sets up. Um, just yes, a, a joyful, joyful time. Um, the number to reach me is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. 
Uh, email GBC, all lowercase, girl, boy, cat, Hayward, girl, boy, cat, Hayward at gmail.com. If you want to email me as well, as we continue to exercise our constitutional rights and uh, sit in the marketplace of ideas and boldly, fearlessly set forth what we believe to be true. So much to talk to you about today. I'm going to try to pepper you with about 12 or 15 questions that I want you to answer either in your own head and your own voice or call me and let me know what your thoughts are. It's going to be a kind of uh, Socratic um, query around some things I've been meditating on, uh, perusing, listening to in regards to this crazy dystopian society that you and I live in now. We're in a really, really challenging time. That is an understatement. I don't know how to put it any other way without wanting to sound alarmist right off the bat, but um, just hearing some things, meditating. I woke up this morning about 3.30, maybe 4, and just had to do some research, had to do some Um, uh, evaluating as to how I would be framing our conversation today and and also just about what the near future has for all of us and how we should be ready for it if we can. So I'm going to quote a portion of scripture and uh, because this came to my mind here recently in relationship to where we are, make an observation. Then I'm going to come back and and raise about 12 to 13, 14 questions that I hope will set the tenor for your calling and conversation. Now, of course, when you call me at one 367 you can call me and ask virtually anything that will be relevant to our life, edifying to our listening audience, okay? But uh, definitely I want you to think about some of the questions I'm going to raise. And uh, I'm really asking whether or not you are aware of the things that are going on. So you're going to hear a lot of questions you may or may not no, and I hope I, I framed them right because I'm not complete. And I'm just kind of being uh, compulsive with this because this is the way I wanted to frame our program today. But the portion of scripture I want to read is coming from the precious book of Exodus. We are in our series at Grace and Hayward, Arise, Move, and Go. And we have just uh, landed on our 10th encampment. There are 42 encampments for the children of Israel from leaving Ramses of Egypt and making it into the promised land of Canaan uh, near Hebron when they arrive and uh, they'll make their way through uh, Jericho, as you know. Um, 42 encampments, and we're on number 10. Number 10 is what the children of Israel learned what God's word has to say about who he is and how they should live. It is called the 10 words of God. We're in the 20th chapter in that reading, but I want to read a portion that I've read to you before from Exodus chapter 22, 23, verses 1 through 4, maybe a few more, and uh, make an observation. Then we're going to take a break because we're coming up on it. You know how our time does on this program. Seems like I just get started talking to you, and we got to take a break and pay some bills. Well, here is what Torah says. Here is what the Pentateuch says. Here is what the law of Moses says to the children of Israel in chapter 23, verse 1. You shall not, you shall not raise a false report. Not You shall not raise a false report. Put not your hand, this is a second precept, put not your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. 
you shall not raise a false report and you shall not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Secondly, you shall not follow a multitude to do evil. You shall not follow a multitude to do evil. Neither shall you speak in a cause to decline after many to twist judgment. Now listen to these precepts. You shall not raise a false report. You shall not put your hand with the wicked as an unrighteous witness. You shall not follow a multitude to do evil. Neither shall you speak in a cause to twist judgment. Neither shall you countenance a poor man in his cause. Don't look at him as because he's poor, he needs special privileges. Verse four, if you meet your enemy's ox or his ass going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. If you see the ass of him that hates you lying under his burden and wouldest forbear to help him, you shall surely help him. This is the Lord speaking. One more. You shall not rest or twist the judgment of your poor in a cause. Keep you far from a false matter and the innocent and righteous you must not slay for I will not justify the wicked. Now, why would God give that kind of legislation, legislative application, we'll be talking about that at Grace, to the whole idea of covetousness and bearing false witness? That's because God knows that mankind is given to covetousness and given to lying, and that when you can cajole and move uh, a multitude of people to lying, you can you can condemn the righteous. That's how Jesus ended up on the cross. And what God was teaching Israel is this, your freedom, because they're free people now, your freedom can only be kept by you exercising integrity and virtue. And what that means is you cannot be bought and paid for by wicked men. You shall not follow a multitude to do evil. As we stated before, do not live by lies. Now, boy, that would not go over well in this country or in this world right now, would it? Do not live by lies. Do not be so weak in your character that someone can persuade you to take up a cause against someone that is not just or true or right. Do not live by lies. The Monday edition of Lifeline, just thoughts for the day. A lot of questions I'm getting ready to bring to you. So get ready to write them down, jot them down, or, or memorize them so when you call, we can talk about it because I really want to open your eyes to some things today. one 367 5329 one We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. Time 520 on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Great commercials there, right? I don't always have things to say about the commercials, but those two are great. The first one was about this woke thing that people, I think, are really taking for granted. I'm going to raise a question on that here shortly. But um, And then the other one was really, really good as well. Um, you know, some, some, some marriage advice, particularly for young people. You live in a world with so many moving parts. 
If you're not clear on why those parts are moving, you will move with those parts. Hey, by the way, a quote of the day. I heard it recently from Mr. Dennis Prager, outstanding quote. He said, if you let compliments go to your head, you will let insults go to your heart. If you let compliments go to your head, you'll let insults go to your heart. Great compliment, great, great quote, rather. And it's the idea that you are to make sure that you maintain the highest level of objectivity about yourself. Because if you're doing some good things, you're gonna get some praise. But you can be sure with every good deed comes negative consequences. You're gonna get some negative praise too, negative, uh, negative criticism, all of that. Just handle it. Don't let it go to your head or to your heart. Don't let it be, don't let it beat you down. Learn from it all. This is what life is about, to learn and get closer to God uh, and not live by lies. So here we go. We're going to start. I'm going to just do this whole segment around some questions that I have been meditating on and pondering for the last 11 hours. These, well, I, I said 15, but I haven't gotten to them because I just started meditating on about 12 of them. But I want to know your thoughts on it. Here we go. The first one. Is it possible? Is it possible that your mainstream media around the world knows that it is getting its talking points from a single source and that the pundits with the mics in their hands are being paid handsomely to lie to the global citizens of this world, i.e. Operation Mockingbird? Did you get that first question? Is it possible that your mainstream media around the world knows that it is getting its talking points from a single source and that the pundits with the mics in their hands are being paid handsomely to lie to the global citizens, Operation Mockingbird? Number two, is it possible that your entertainers, I'm talking your athletes, your comedians, your movie stars, your uh, late night talk show hosts, etc., are also bribed by massive amounts of mammon? to lie to their fans and constituents about the safety and efficacy or effectiveness of the jabs. Is that, is that possible? Is it possible that your entertainers, athletes, comedians, uh, along with your politicians and your pundits are all being paid handsomely as some conglomerate group to lie to their fans, to lie to the global citizens about the safety and effectiveness of the jab? Number three. Is there really such a thing as the deep state? Is there such a thing as the deep state? Or is all this that I'm talking about called conspiracy theory? Is there really such a thing as the deep state? And could it go by another name, like the senior executive administrative state? What's your answer to that? Number four. What is Agenda F or Schedule F? If you know, there are many of you who are doing your research, doing your homework. This was a fascinating discovery to me about seven or eight hours ago. What is Agenda F or Schedule F? It's a, I'll give you a little hint before we go on. It's a Trump, former president, Donald Trump. It's a Trump legislative act that failed when he tried it. But do you even know what it is? I'm sure you don't because the media would never let you know that this is going on because it would tie to a previous question that I raised to you. Um, what is Agenda F, Schedule F? 
um, a Trump legislative act that failed when he tried it. Um, I think it was the main cause, really, that unleashed the torrents of opposition to his second term. In other words, if he had if he had made it to his second term, ladies and gentlemen, this particular designation, Agenda F, Schedule F, would be such that our world would be so amazingly different now had he been able to accomplish this policy. Fifthly, with both this president, President Biden, and the previous one, President Trump, know that the above mentioned really determines policy in America. The above mentioned is the question I just gave to you. I don't want to massage you too much, but if you know the question above, what is agenda F? Is it possible that both the present president and the past president and the president before the present president knows that the above mentioned really determines policy in America? Number six, what if Washington, D.C., you know, that you that uh, euphemistic place of American interest, in the interests of America, what if Washington, D.C. is a hub of systems, multiple systems of special interest groups from every sector of life around the world all huddling in Washington, D.C. for the purpose of collaborating in order to embed a new government system from the top to the bottom so that the only thing that is ever getting done is in the global interest and not in the national American interest. What if Washington, D.C. is a hub of systems intricate overlapping interest groups from different parts of the world, different sectors of business and politics and NGOs and all that stuff. They're just there because they have the ability to manipulate policy and they're collaborating with one purpose and goal and view, a goal in view, and that is a global agenda that is contrary to the American interest. Number seven, what if your president is not as loony as we might think he is now we know he has some mental problems. We know he has some, some, uh, some, some, some uh, cognitive uh, distortion problems. But it's not the uh, malevolent um, kind of uh, mental problems that would be the cause for him acting the way he does or implementing the high level of woke policies that he does. In my opinion, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's been doing it so well for 40, 50 years that uh, I, I cannot blame his policy choices on senility. What if your president is not as loony as we think, as is in total and is in total compliance? I mean, total compliance with the annihilation of national sovereignty an independent America and prosperity for and from hardworking people uninterested in his woke agenda. What if your president is not as loony as we think and he is in total compliance, aware fully, completely given to it, 
from the bottom of his heart, he is interested in the total deconstruction of America so that every policy that he uh, signs, implements, executive order, secret policies, public policies are in total accord with this whole uh, unreal woke doctrine that is embedding itself in the consciousness of our country and playing a major role of, of moving us towards uh, transhumanism. What if that's the case? I said, that's a question that I'm raising. I've got two more minutes, so I will get through about eight of the questions. What if Aldous Huxley, you guys know Aldous Huxley, right? Brave New World. I'm sure you read it. You can go online and watch uh, movie clips of it, car cartoon form, human form for free, and you'll, you'll get an idea of what they said then. Uh, talking about predictive programming, he let you know. Mr. Huxley lets you know where we are today. What if Aldous Huxley was right? That 70% of the masses of any society will always and only do what the authorities say. And 25% will always resist. What if it is also true that the 25% who resist are generally and profoundly adherent to a system of religion that embraces a comprehensive and more accurate worldview. I'll say that again. I'll say it again. What if Aldous Huxley is right? He was interviewed having made, made observation of this, that 70% of the masses will always only do what the authorities say. You understand what kind of control you can have over people when you know 70% will simply follow you which is exactly what the Exodus account said what? Do not do. Do not follow a multitude, which means God expects you and me to be part of the what? 25% that will always resist, especially those who have a biblical worldview, who have a solid understanding of humanity, anthropology, and the like. All right, I've got three more questions. I'll bring them up. Here's the number, one 367 1-888-367-5329. It's time for us to swallow again another red pill. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Well, that's the time, 534 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. And again, if you caught that commercial, you see how he's talking about red balloon dot something, red balloon, why red? Do you know? He's speaking to you about the same matters that I am. He's coming from that ancient movie, not, I mean, really, it's old now, where there was a, a featured conversation by two of the main characters in the movie with regards to a blue pill and a red pill. The blue pill puts you to sleep. The red pill wakes you up. And it's, it's so remarkable how predictive that particular presentation was as to where you and I are in our world today. And so what I was doing as I posed to you about eight questions, the last one was, what if Aldous Huxley's Brave New World was right that 70% of the masses will always and only do what the authorities say, and 25% will always resist? What if it's also true that that 25% that resists are consistently uh, found to have held to uh, some system of religious belief that embraces a comprehensive worldview that is closer to reality than not. Uh, this would really speak, wouldn't it, to why people um, see things one way and why other people see things another way. But to what advantage would such 
percentages play if a government had that kind of uh, psychological insight, that kind of psychological intelligence, that kind of psychosociological intelligence. If a government knew that it could get its citizenry to simply comply at 70% by just a little bit of wizardry and a little bit of hocus pocus and a little bit of propagandizing, what kind of powers would that government have? And what would you say to this particular query as to where we are now? And again, I think I want to uh, quote a few more before I go to the phone lines. The fo phone number here is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. What if the media is so weaponized that a plan of population control, like Agenda Twenty Thirty, now you got to do is look it up. You don't have to, you know, wonder what I'm talking about. Look it up for yourself. Stop just listening. Go look it up. What if the media is so weaponized that a plan of population control, control like Agenda 2030, is able to eliminate 2 billion people from the planet over the next seven years? And the other 5 or 6 billion people, as we are told, never even hear a peep about it. What if our media has such a strong, our mainstream media, has such a strong and powerful and palpable control over the masses of the people so that the masses of the people cannot think outside of their box. Is part of a projected diminishing of society to the tune of not just millions, because millions die every day. In a, in, a, in a world of 8 billion people, millions of people die every day, and you don't know the numbers yourself. I don't either. But what if over the, a seven-year period, to the tune of 2 to 3 billion people, diminish, get ill, sick, die, deteriorate, leave the planet, not by, unnatural, not by natural causes either, as, uh, as the plan of, of, uh, of, of Agenda 2030 is stating. What if the media knows about that as incomplicit and says, you know what, we're never going to tell anybody what's going on. Would you ever know about it if you didn't do your own research outside the box or listen to prophetic voices that step outside of the mainstream media because they're competent, skillful, and are able to ascertain the data necessary to blow the whistle and let you know what's going on in your own world? Here's another one. What if just 10% of the 25% of the illuminated, remember we learned that 25% of people don't just buy what authorities say. They immediately take a position of skepticism. And uh, what if 10% of the 25% of the illuminated appropriately protested and campaigned vigorously against the godless socialism being forced upon them and won? What if it's possible for only 10% of the 25% to actually engage in proper, constitutionally expected, responsible citizenship and turn this country around because they were willing to speak up, speak out, stand up, stand out, and do the right thing in the name of freedom and love and turn it around? How remarkable would that be? How remarkable would that be? And finally, what if God is calling for citizens who actually love freedom to sacrifice time and effort for these privileges before they are permanently gone? Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, again, you're not reading your Bible carefully because all the prophets were these kinds of citizens. 
they rose up against the evils of their own government and told the king and told the princes and warned them about what Jehovah had said must be done before a calamity occurs. And sometimes the kings repented in sackcloth and ashes, such as the book of Jonah and Nineveh. Every now and then, a Judite king, almost never um, any of the 10 northern tribes, but sometimes the pagans did. Read your Bible carefully. The only way evil is turned is never by being silent on it. You must never follow a multitude to do evil. And finally, here's another one. What if it's true that most conservatives, I, I, I heard this recently made all kind of sense to me. What if it's true that most conservatives are Morenos? Uh, it's a term that means that you live in the closet. They are closet conservatives, closet Christians, closet rationalists, closet believers in, in God. This is, uh, this is an assertion by Dennis Prager, again, who has done a lot of work, been on radio, radio for 40 years, and has done a lot of work as a, um, as a psychologist, and, and, and he's a philosopher, if you will, and done a lot of work on this and states very clearly that there are some 8 million uh, conservatives in California. 8 million. That reminds me of the passage of scripture that says that God said to Elijah when he was running from Jezebel and, uh, and, uh, and, and Ahab, because they had put a contract out to kill him, he said, you, 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 Elijah, you're saying that you're alone, but you're not really alone. There are 7,000 that did not bow the knee to Baal. And I've always stated that might be true, but where are they? Because you see, if you have 7,000, but they don't make themselves visible, what good does it do when the government comes after you because you told the government the truth? See what I'm saying? Your Bible is an absolutely fascinatingly accurate, razor's edge accurate prophetic book warning you about the things that will take place in a world that forgets God. Amazing, amazing. Eight million in California. Now, we have somewhere around 40 million people in California and growing, but couldn't 8 million people do a lot if they were not Morenos? Closet conservatives, closet Christians, closet rationalists, closet believers, closet uh, um, world viewers, biblical world viewers, closet truthers. What good is it to be a closet truther when, when people need to hear your opinion so that we can have a freedom of dialogue and discourse around views and ideas, particularly if the prevailing views are wrong and harmful? What good is it for you to know that a man is not a woman because they uh, stick on prosthetic uh, 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 breasts and uh, mutilate their genitals to try to create an or orifice that almost always has some kind of residual uh, um, discomfort, pain, and if not other serious uh, problems with that individual, far from the beauty of a real organic female uh, and the complexity of her sexual organs that God has made uh, for, for his glory and for the good of mankind. Uh, what good is it to sit there and lie and pretend that that person is a woman when, in fact, there's nothing about a woman that they could be on a genetic or an organic level, and, and you don't say anything about it? What, what good is that? 
See what I'm saying? This is why God says to Israel, I'm bringing you out of Egypt. I'm going to take you in a culture where everybody's lying to themselves. That's what Deuteronomy 22.5 said, right? You shall not wear that which pertains to a man as a woman, and you shall not as a woman put on those things that pertain to a man. You shall not practice confounding confusion and unrealness. You shall not live by lies. This is what God told Israel. Don't do it. Do not do it. And here we are, it, 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 here we are experiencing all around the world the full-blown manifestation of the Canaanite culture. People ask me this all the time. I tell them, you cannot escape the Bible. The world is shaped by the infinite laws of an almighty God when he established the binary principle of good and evil. And he told Adam and Eve, you eat of the tree of evil, you're going to surely die. And that's what society is doing right now. We are in a culture of death. Now, the only way we're going to come up out of it is to swallow the red pill, open our eyes, and become brave about telling the truth, loving men and women enough to let truth prevail. Eight million people in a 40 million uh, uh, states such as California, of which we have to admit 20 million are children. So if really only 20 million are adults and 8 million are conservative and 20 million can't vote, what is going on? Unless Dennis is wrong. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. We're getting ready to have conversations. Give me a call. Gonna take a break, pay some bills, and then we'll get to your phone lines next. And now back to Lifeline. We are indeed. The time is five forty nine on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Questions, 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 comments. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Do not live by lies. Wake up, take the red pill, see it for what it is, ask God for confidence, and be ready to speak the truth in love. We are to tear down every stronghold that exalts itself against the knowledge of the truth if we're going to help human beings. Men and women, give me a call. I've got a whole hour for us to have a conversation, for us to talk, for us to engage. One triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. while we still have the freedom to do it. And again, I want to commend that commercial that just preceded our return. What a bold group. Redballoon.works. I mean, see, this is what we're talking about. If there's any fruit that's going to come out over the last three years and this oppressive, non-constitutional, unconstitutional um, mandate to force us to shut down and mask up, which is nothing but a compliance mechanism, and then to take a jab that we did not want to do at the cost of our jobs, and in doing it in many ways, as we will see at the cost of our lives, I tell you, if this is going to bear the fruit of waking up the 25% and getting them moving in recovering our constitutional rights of freedom, bearing arms to assemble and to debate and discuss what truth really is instead of to cower, to cower, to unreality, which is what Aldous Huxley, Huxley's whole Brave New World is warning about. Going into a world of unreality, which is right now seeking to beat your doors down and force its way in your life, and particularly our children. Our children are slated for a takeover by this deep state government that is coming with policies, and you'll hear about it in another year. You'll hear that you cannot put your kid in any public school 
and have the protection of being their parent. They will not let you. It's starting to happen across the world, Australia, and, and the Netherlands. Can you believe that one of the places where the Reformation was so prodigious and so strong, it is now uber woke and given over to these these vanities of the World Economic Forum and its agenda to globalize. The children are threatened to be taken from their homes if the parents don't comply with their educational system. Coming to your world really soon. Let's go to line number one and talk with Jermaine in Alameda. Jermaine, are you there? Oh, yes, I'm here. How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. Good, good. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I forget which number it was, but I, I think you asked the question about the media being complicit um, in, in a lot of what's going on. And I would say, you know, I don't see how anyone can come to any other conclusion because no matter where you go in the country or even parts of the world, you start seeing the same pattern of uh, news and entertainment and, and almost like there's, there's a small select group programming people worldwide. You start to see a lot of the same attitudes and opinions, uh, even in other languages. I get curious sometimes, so I'll just check out what people are saying. And it's typically around the, the numbers or percentage that you quoted earlier, about 75, 80% of people just go along with what they're told. And there's always a small group that seems to question, and they're always looked at. They kind of on the fringe, and it's called lunatics. And it's strange because they decide to use their own minds for simply complying with what they're told is desperate. So now with that observation, let me ask you, uh, for me, it's comforting. When I listen to scientists, sociologists, people who have done the deep research, and then I hear it corroborated by other legitimate scientists who are not afraid of the double speak of the Orwellian system and, and are not afraid uh, to be canceled or censored because that's a big one. Aaron Cariotti is dealing with that in the, in the courts as well. I'll be having him uh, on at some point, either on my own po podcast, which I'm moving towards getting closer to get done. I hope I can get it done in another month or so. Um, just waiting on some expert te technology to, to, to make sure that once I launch, it's not mediocre. But uh, he's addressing it on Substacks significantly. My question would be, because I do, I find great um, comfort in brave men and women who can not only do the research and come up with the data uh, and, and demonstrate the consistency of these kinds of uh, a sociological um, 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 trends, their trends, factors about how that uh, seven out of 10 people um, will generally as a rule for all kinds of psychological reasons comply with authority without even challenging it. And only three uh, and maybe sometimes four, depending on what kind of culture they came up in, how they were uh, nurtured in, in terms of objectivity, uh, real scientific proof, uh, you know, be, being able to reason through and analyze, you know, broad scopes of information before they draw conclusions. Uh, how 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 comforting is it to you to merely know that, even though you might be in the minority? You know, it's very comforting for me because, um, you know, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, approached you about just just kind of wondering if if it was me or if it was the fact that 
you know, a lot of the news that we're hearing and a lot of things that we're, we're being told just didn't seem to fit. And you find yourself on this kind of like a metaphorical island alone and you think you're alone. And typically what happens is, I experience you, you come to find people who think like you, but you just kind of have to wade through the mud and find each other. Because a lot of the stuff that we've, we've heard over the past few years, we now know to be a lie. At least the majority of it was, and it seems to be no consequences, no apologies, no anything. I remember the uh, Dr. Rashid Batar, who just passed away recently. He was on CNN, and they they tried to make a mockery of him. And an investigative reporter was actually trying to talk science and, and medical jargon with with the doctor. And you know, he I remember the comment he made was. Well, do I have something in my body that that's a ticking time bomb? And Dr. Qatar had said, "Well, I'll talk to you in three years." And then, unfortunately, that that reporter did pass away not a year and a half later. So, when you see things like that, you you have to open your eyes and look at what's presented in your face or told to what I think. Now, when you were talking about Dr. Qatar, did uh, are you making a distinction between Dr. Qatar? Um, who was who's Indian by nature, Asian Indian by nature, and and a reporter that he was talking to, or are you saying that Dr. Batar has recently passed away? Um, from what I understand, uh, Dr. Batar has recently passed away. All right, I'm gonna do so. some research and search that out and prove that. I, I I actually think that he did, and I'll tell you why. And maybe you can. We've got three minutes. We can talk briefly about that. Um, because he's only one of a few of all of the thousands of doctors. And he, Dr. Pitar, stood up early on in the uh, pandemic, as you know. He stood up early on, and he was a very uh, fervent voice when they were gathering the data and gathering different doctors, virologists, epidemiologists, and different scientists who understood that the protocol being employed by our world was not a normal medical protocol. They knew it was a military protocol, that it was a police protocol. It was a law enforcement protocol, uh, which implies that citizens are guilty and they're going to be locked in prison. Uh, he knew that. They knew that. Uh, he was very effective in gathering together hundreds of doctors <clears throat> to have the conversations on big Zoom platforms. I remember that early on. And you know he got sick. And uh, it was Dr. Artis that was helping him. And uh, Dr. Artis um, made, the, uh, made the assessment that they poisoned him and that the poison um, caused him to succumb. And, uh, and, and that, that's really sad if that, that's the case. That's really, really sad because, of course, he then is, you know, a victim of potentially, potentially a victim of um, malevolent uh, behavior on the part of those that did not want him, want him to succeed. Now, the a reporter that you said that he talked to, that reporter, therefore, is still alive? I understood that reporter actually passed away. Uh, did see a tribute from CNN on him not too long ago. But as far as I understand, that investigative reporter who was kind of calling him crazy, uh, he did pass away. They, I think they, that it was something related to a cancer. Yep, 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 yep. Well, you know, uh, again, the real insightful doctors, they let you know. Not only did they let you know, 
that this mRNA technology, which is called a synthetic RNA, which is which was never ever proven to be safe in anybody's body, let alone ferrets and in monkeys and uh, so many others who said this should have never ever been put in the human beings because it is designed to also produce and to uh, exacerbate cancers, um, which you and I know, again, the media won't, will not talk about it. It is spreading around the world massively um, for people who have been injected twice, and particularly if they've gotten boosters uh, and if, if they had comorbidities beforehand. Um, this is an undeniable um, uh, reality of the outcome of these um, these vaccines, or jabs rather, and, and, and Pfizer and Moderna and AstraZeneca knew about it before they even implemented this, this military agenda. This is a military agenda. Now, this was done by the DOD. This is why Trump is behind it and will have to own some of the consequences of it as well. But um, uh, massive acceleration of cancer and people losing their lives in a few days up to a few months and maybe a few years if they can fight it. Uh, and, and it's tragic when uh, when we lose a good man or a good woman like uh, Batar was. And sadly, this 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 uh, this reporter as well. But see, this has been going on uh, with a lot of other people as well that they are quietly letting go and never, ever raising the question whether there's a correlation between their dying of this particular cancer and the uh, mRNA technique, uh, mRNA uh, technology that produces a spike protein that destroys your immune system. It inhibits your immune system and makes way for all the other sort of embedded uh, viruses to, um, to to rise up and, uh, and potential cancer-causing agents as well. They already predicted this, and it's really sad to hear this. Listen, I got to take a break, uh, Jermaine. Thank you. The number is one 367 We will continue after this break. And now back to Lifeline. Indeed, we are at the time of 6.07 on the Monday edition of Lifetime, May 22nd, 2023. You are talking to yours truly, Jesse Gistan, pastor of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, Glad to have you out. Uh, we do Tuesday night Bible study, 6.30, Friday, 6.30. And then we gather for the great convocation at uh, 11 o'clock on uh, Sunday mornings. Have a great time. Uh, if you don't have a church community, uh, you are welcome to join us as we boldly and fiercely, fearlessly proclaim the truth as it is in Jesus, uh, trying to wake everybody up by giving them a biblical red pill and that is to speak the truth in love. Uh, be not weary in well-doing, for you shall reap if you faint not. Um, be circumspect, uh, for the days are evil. Um, you and I are to be aware because we have an adversary who goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, be, may devour. We are in spiritually dark times that are so grossly uh, neo-Canaanitish that you need to be... Um, very clear about what's coming from above and what's coming from below. Above meaning um, the highest authorities in the world and below meaning on the ground uh, emerging around you and among you, uh, chaos, confusion, unrealness, falsehood, and uh, deviations from the truth. It's so important to know. One line open, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One line open, 
1-888-367-5329. Let's go to line number two and talk with Marsha in Los Gatos. Marsha, are you there? I'm here, Jesse. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Um, I'm, I want to thank you so much. We thank you so much, Jesse, and we hold you in our arms. Um, these issues are meant to divide us. And yeah. um, we, it, we who care think so much about this, and we talk about this. And I want to know the biblical stance on the fact that we turn the other cheek, or do we have self-defense? Oh, yeah. Okay, so now that's our, that's our Beatitudes account, Marsha, and we often misinterpret that. Um, and that all depends upon whether we are privileged to live in a culture where we are not constantly suffering persecution. But the portion of scripture you're speaking to in Matthew 5 is part of a persecution context for which Jesus said the Beatitudes, the earlier portion of Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the pure in heart, you know, blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake, and we are to be counterintuitive in the midst of all of that. Counterintuitive, that is to say that uh, we do not exercise an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for a life, um, sort of vindication of ourselves, as Paul taught us in Romans chapter 13, that uh, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. But what Jesus was not meaning was that we don't engage in conversation, that we don't seek to speak the truth in love, that we don't seek to find an occasion to uh, find the weak spot, the gentle spot, the soft spot in the hearts of our adversaries and our uh, persecutors. So the analogy would be, as it was given in Matthew 5, if your adversary says to you to go one mile, go with him too. If he smites you on the face, give him the other one. And what that means is don't smite back right away. Uh, in fact, he would tell us that we are not to, uh, to engage in violence, definitely not violence in, in the sense of trying to save our own pride, but there are times when we must resist evil even with, um, with, with a self-defense posture that's designed to protect the vulnerable and the weak. That certainly is the case. But when we're dealing with that portion of scripture there, what it's saying to us is have the integrity of being able to expect to be persecuted for telling the truth. Have the integrity and expectation that if you would open your mouth, which is where your jaw is, and you would say, I believe that there is one God and one Lord Jesus, uh, uh, you will be smited for that, that Jesus is Lord. You will be smited for that, that the Bible is true. You will be smited for that, that God made the male and female in the image of God. You will be smited for that, that God says that the wages of sin is death. You'll be smited for that, that God says uh, the consequences of, of rebellion will be that God will punish. You'll be, you'll be smited for that as the Christian has for, uh, for for thousands and thousands of years as we know now. Um, so how we might practically work that portion of scripture out, Marsha, would be um, always be ready to take a hit um, rhetorically, socially, 
um, circumstantially. See, we still right now live in a country, and, and this is why we must not succumb to hating our country. Even if the woke folk want us to join them in burning everything down, we shall not because we know how to recognize God's blessings in our life. And the last people that are going to spurn God's blessings are men and women who recognize God's blessings. Uh, we have a beautiful country in terms of the citizenry, uh, our multi-ethnic groups, our multicultural groups, the diversity of gifts and creativity are, are spectacular across our country. The experiment that we are going through with learning how to live, love, and exist with one another, which is rooted in Christian values, um, are, are, are astoundingly unique as Mr. Dennis Prigger reminded his group that he was talking to, as I listened to it a, a while ago, 8 million Africans have come to America because they found America to be more appealing than their own country. Um, that doesn't happen by accident. This is true of almost every other ethnic group coming here. What we have to do is continue to bear the um, hostility, antipathy, the uh, criminality, the uh, weakness, because it's weakness. When people don't want to acknowledge the truth, there's a weakness there of character uh, and, and, and some of the fallout. It happened to Jesus and his. We have to bear that um, and, wait for, uh, and wait for God to intervene as he's starting to do. This is why I enjoyed my conversation with Jermaine before you, Marcia. Think about this. Um, three, five years ago, I'll, I'll even start before COVID, five years ago when we were working through the whole uh, George Floyd thing, and I raised the question, I said, are we in a uh, revolution or are we in a revival? And uh, my, my, my inference was that we are in a revolution because I heard about these things that we're dealing with now, even before they came, and I I felt as if when uh, when Donald Trump did not get a second term, which is why I'm raising the question, no one's going to answer me, um, is there such thing as a deep state that could be otherwise called the senior executive administrative state? Um, I, it would be, I would be surprised if someone knew how to answer that. I would be greatly uh, encouraged if one could, but this is how powerful the media works to uh, manipulate the way we think about our government and what we think we are seeing uh, when we watch uh, uh, what is called the uh, legacy media outlet. I say all that to say to you not to be weary in well-doing. Also, just manage your space where you are, manage where you are as best you can, and don't um, overly burden yourself with all the other spaces in the world that are going through real challenges. I wish that we could all see all of the good people everywhere that are doing the right thing and that are making advancements and that are changing hearts and that are tearing down these strongholds and are moving into positions where they can plant the flag of grace and freedom and, uh, and, and hope because uh, it is happening. Again, it's the media that keeps you and I from being able to hear and see all of these testimonies of good things occurring. 
And I definitely thank you for your prayers because, you know, it's an anomaly that I'm able to talk as freely as I do about these things. And I'm not so sure that that will continue. Uh, but I do have to take a break. Keep listening. Keep praying for me. I'll pray for you as well. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Two lines open. one 367 5329 We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back at the time 621 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let's see. One, two, three, four. All right. Let's go to line number one and talk first with Audie in Sacramento. Audie, are you there? Hi, Pastor. How are you? I'm great. What's going on, young lady? Um, so uh, you said a lot of questions, but I did hear the question that you said at the end about taking the time to actually speak the truth. And it's been on my heart recently to actually take the time and use the certain social media outlets that I have to speak about certain things, especially with the indoctrinating of the kids and then things that I've seen about pinning certain races against each other. And yeah. I want to be able to get some clarity on it just because I was reading Exodus 14 today. And that's how I feel when it comes to the Lord may be telling you to do something, but it's like, Lord, I, I don't put words together properly, nor do I have the confidence to be able to do so at most times. So What's your take on being able to say certain things in that area, especially since you do podcasts and go on the radio? Yeah. Okay. So very great. Very good. So since I know you, I have a little bit of a uh, advantage with you. Uh, so there's going to be about three or four things that we want to keep in mind when it comes to engaging people in the public forum. First of all, having some comfortable level of the topic that we want to discuss and share. So, you know, if you're going to be talking about something around the children or the youth or young adults, and I'm sure that's what you are because you're, you're in that melee, um, just knowing the topic, that may, that means, you know, make sure you get some advice so, uh, in terms of the research so that when you drop it, you can drop it with at least some sources that people can can benefit from or and this is certainly okay too and i hope everybody takes this up it is completely appropriate ladies and gentlemen to simply state your opinion it is so important to know that because part of marxist totalitarian uh domination of any any society is at the level of freedom of speech and what they do is they try to get in your head uh, to stop you from feeling like you cannot just share your opinion. And this is where um, this is where uh, what I have called for quite a while now, the idolatry of the white coats or listen only to the experts. That was a propaganda lie that was told to us early on in the uh, pandemic. They knew they wanted to push people away from simply having regular, authentic, organic conversations and shut them up to the experts as if the experts don't lie. And so um, you are free to have your opinion uh, as long as you share it as your opinion and others are too. This is the whole purpose of freedom of speech uh, to be able to say, this is my opinion. I can't, I can't verify it now, but I'm sharing because I, I'm a value. I'm a person. I have a right to talk as well. And I have a feeling that this is what's going on. This is my intuition. This is what I'm learning from the sources with whom I'm speaking. And uh, I just want to share and be willing to, you know, get some feedback, et cetera, because that's the whole point to be able to have conversation with people. And even as you learn, Audie, in the um, uh, 
the marriage series, when we're talking about communicating as uh, as people that might be seeking companionship, the husband and the wife or the girlfriend and the boyfriend do not have to agree, but what we have to do is learn how to dialogue in a way that receives each other and receives what that other person is saying so as to not be automatically polemic or polarizing or adversarial simply saying, okay, that's your view. All right, this is my view. Can we coexist in the same space holding different views? And see, this is the party spirit that our culture is using to divide us massively. That's what Marsha was saying, the previous caller. And the beauty of social media outlet is that you get to find forms, if you can, to communicate your views and hopefully find a group of young people that can have a reasonable dialogue about these things and even disagree. See, this is a big problem today, that if you disagree with me, you're the devil and you're on the way to hell. This is a huge problem that we want to overcome because that's nothing but party politics, while at the same time, the government is taking everything that we have, setting us up for a kind of psychological and then ultimately economic um, uh, um, concentration camp. So you do it. You need to press on out, get get as much data as you can on the topic. The other thing you want to do too, because I'm going to just use this time because I hear it from young people a lot that, you know, they don't feel like they speak well enough to be able to address a topic. I think that that's just uh, uh, more of a hyper self-consciousness. It is kind of rooted in, you know, a lack of confidence. And, and, I, and I get that. Um, young people often will be struggling with, you know, a little bit of uh, ADHD or, you know, the the inability to kind of really slow down and take their time to frame their words. And and you also may not feel, and I've got it from a young lot of young people. I don't feel like I speak well enough to to say anything on a larger public level. But in reality, those of us that are listening to you you sound fine to us. You, you sound like we can hear you just fine. And so I would say launch out and do it. Don't worry about mistakes. Remember mistakes is the way you grow. This is how you learn. Share, look at your own, uh, you know, look at your own opinion pieces when you put it out there. Wait for the feedback. Um, also, here's another thing. And, and so be ready for self-correction because you grow with self-correction. Also, you know, people who understand love and understand the process recognize its growth. They, they're not going to lock you into a paradigm where they don't ever expect you to grow. People do expect you to grow. And when you grow, you become a better participant in the larger public forum as well. And people will be looking forward, forward to you to, to you speaking. And you'll be amazed at your own learning curve. You can do it and I recommend you do it. I definitely recommend all the ladies do it, particularly getting into the minutia of, you know, how to have a healthy view of all the challenges that women are going through, particularly young women as well, and develop a sisterhood. Even if it's a sisterhood where you guys are throwing down with different opinions, uh, you know, have it and then try to um, close out those dialogues in a way in which you maintain respect for each other and prayerful um, expectation of growth. That's the kind of atmosphere of conversation you want to be able to have with people. You don't want to have a dialogue where you simply have to agree. 
that that's also as totalitarian as oppressive as well. And you never learn anything that way um, also. So I think you have the tools and I definitely want you to jump in because I actually think you can do it. <clears throat> and I think it actually will prove itself to be one of the ways that you discover your calling too. Cause I know you're listening to me about, you know, what does God want me to do at the young age that I am in this, in this world? He definitely wants you to be involved. He wants all our young people to be involved. The world does turn around with young people. You don't have to chew off everything to do. You, you just got to get a little bit and get on in there. And you might find yourself gradually modifying into different topics and subjects until you hit one that will real, really resonate with who you are. And you will be amazed at your own capacity to uh, engage that particular topic uh, even more broadly than just talking about it, being able to become now an advocate and God using you to be a blessing to other people in that regard. But it definitely starts with conversation. So I want to commend you for that. And I want to encourage you to move into, into, that, into that modality. And don't be afraid of taking hits. Like Dennis Prager said, he said, uh, if you let praise go to your head, then you're going to let criticism also go to your heart. So you you receive the praise for what it is because people are sincere when they say thank you for what you do and you don't reject that. But you know you don't let criticism go to your heart. Let criticism go to your head so you can evaluate it for it's good or it's bad. But don't let it go to your heart, um, and you will be all right. Um, great question, young lady. Got to let you go. Talk to you later. When I got come back, we'll uh, pick up with uh, Misty and the rest of you. I think I got one line open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back. The time is six thirty-five on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I think I have one line open. One triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. Let me go to line number three and talk with Misty in San Francisco. Misty, are you there? Hey, yeah, I'm here. What's going on? Uh, what's not going on? That would be the question. A lot is going on. Twenty four seven missions are very intense right now. Um, I wanted to say a couple things that came to mind while I was listening. Uh, one would be to tear down our imaginations regardless of what we're talking about whether it's the news i would say in reference to just people in general to souls in general that's i would say their biggest problem is their imaginations and they're just running off to their sin whatever kind of feels good and um i wanted to state something and brought up dennis prager and i thought that was uh I'd have to say he's the most prideful man with the most horrible uh, dogma beliefs around. So I wouldn't take any advice from that man. Now, I, I'm, I'm exercising the right of you having your opinion. You want to you say something else? Right. Well, I've just seen, I've seen him in depth. I listened to him in depth before and I've seen him just go completely hot-headed when somebody doesn't agree and he's not saved. So what you want to do is pray for that man. Um, and in reference to, I'd say, where we're at in this culture, um, 
there's still not a lot of movement. The movement is going further and further towards the left, further and further to uh, the godlessness, further and further to um, the selfishness. You know, right is wrong and wrong is right. So we just need to pray in reference to that and just basically uh, have mercy. And my last statement would be mercy for the animals. Yeah. I believe if, you, if you're saved, honestly, in the Garden of Eden, before sin came into the world, um, animals were not eating each other and we were not eating animals. And so if you're going to put your sin into subjection under the cross, that would also um, include letting the animals be free and removed from slaughter. Because if you're eating them for, for Christmas, for Easter, and you're not even thinking about it and you're saying your prayers, to me, the, you, you cannot be saved if you are not being merciful. All right, so I'm going to challenge you with one observation on that one. Even though I'm, I'm extremely, I'm I'm extremely concerned because I, I listen. I've been listening to the scriptures on the matter of um, of you know God judging us for corrupting the earth, and I'm listening very carefully to that. That started in Genesis six. It showed up again in the Proverbs, and then it closes out in the Book of Revelation. I see us as corrupting the earth, and I see the apocalypse um, warning us about. Um, a third part of the sea, a third part of the land, a third part of the trees being uh, being burned up. I, I can see God allowing wickedness to do that to bring his judgment on humanity because we're not good stewards. I am definitely sensitive to that. But what do you say about Jesus and the disciples? And I know you love Jesus um, eating the Passover lamb. Okay, here we go, because see, <laughs> got to eat that lamb, ladies and gentlemen. If we're going to live, we got to eat that lamb. We may not eat the chicken, may not eat the pig, but <laughs> we got to eat that lamb. So you know what First Timothy chapter 4 says, everything is to be received with thanksgiving and prayer uh, for it is cleansed and sanctified through the word of God. We got to make sure we don't buy into a false gospel. But I definitely understand and I, I see, because they're, they're showing it, if you want to see it, the atrocity that's going on, the unholiness in the slaughter of animals in ways that uh, indicate the abominable demonic authorities that want to turn us into animals as well and uh, chew us up and spit us out to create their own Frankenstein culture. I totally see the correlation, and I, and I get it with my sister, but remember, got to eat the lamb. Let's see here. We can go to line number four and talk with James from the Bay. James, are you there? Uh, yes, sir, my brother. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. You know you got to eat the lamb, right? Got to eat the lamb. Yeah, I was like, okay, I, I, I get it. But that's why when you ask the question, I, I love when you do that because it makes you think. You know, a lot right. of times we come from emotion and, and, and we get it, you know, but when we sit down. We do, we do. Ain't no doubt about it. I know, I know you get it too, because we talk about this. I, I get what she's saying in a lot of ways, but we got to make sure we keep that gospel straight. Man, what's on your mind? I mean, I'm going to take a crack at one of these questions, brother. You know, you can't ask 15 questions because when you ask 15 <laughs> questions, we might be up <laughs> You know, I just had to say that. This brother, 15 questions? He must not be on 24 hours. No, I want to take a, a, a crack at the Schedule F. Yes, yes, please do, because I don't think anyone knows 
what that policy is. And it put me in a position. That, now, what this is, we got five minutes, so we can talk about it. What this is going to do is put me in a position to think through what's getting ready to happen in this next presidential election. Because the, the question that you're going to be tackling now, virtually no one knows. And everybody that is part of the society of anti-Trumpers and, and is close to Washington knows what we're talking about, what I'm talking about. And they will tear this world up before Mr. Trump ever gets to exercise this particular policy. So so what's your thoughts? Well, if I understood it when I, uh, when, when, when I read it, it more or less ties into the question about the deep state. So if you're an employer at will and you don't, and you're held accountable for what you do, then you can be given your walking papers instead of hiding. That's just a short way of putting it. You have to be held accountable for what you, you know what it is you're doing, because you are representing the people. This is a constitutional republic, and you have to give answers to the people. Where they're to the point now, they're so deeply entrenched in deep state that they feel they. To me, they're thinking more how themselves than they ought to think. And they feel like they don't owe us any explanation. And so when I hear statements like, oh, Trump is a threat to democracy, no, what he's a threat to is your deep state because he knows where the skeletons are buried. And he can expose a lot. So they're going to move hell or high water to keep him from getting back in because I, this is what I think. I think they know if he gets in above anybody else, they're in trouble. They're done for because hopefully he would come back with a little less arrogance, with a little less, uh, oh, anyway, uh, a little, a little less, a little less of a narcissist, and be able to get things done. And hopefully, learn from his first time around. I know we've had the discussion where you say you don't think maybe he's learned, but whether he's learned or not, they fear Trump more than anyone else because the fact that they want to say that he's a tyrant because. He's holding them accountable. He's not trying to dictate anything. I think he's just trying to free up the playing field, if you can, to, to make things even instead of people that are there thinking they're these NGOs and all these people that are in D.C. thinking that they're above God. I just leave it at that. You know, you, 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 you're right on. I, you're circling around and you're landing on the um, tarmac of about two or three correlative uh, subject matters in relationship to it. And of course, you know I'm dealing with the Exodus account, and I started in chapter 18 talking about the, um, the, um, the representation, representational government that, that Moses was ordained by God through Jethro to set up. You remember that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm doing that on purpose. James, I'm doing that on purpose. You'll notice that I did not say that Moses was given oversight over a democracy. Okay. I, I, I did okay. this. I'm, I'm doing this on purpose. So you, you people have to keep up with me because <clears throat> I can't turn the message into a totally political message. But I know the Bible maps onto all cultures. And I talked about it a little bit again on this Sunday. I think you were there about the... Um, the uh, practicality of our leaders being close enough to us where we can get at them. 
because if they are so far away up in the towery ivory towers of the Wizard of Ozland, they can be diluted by the false air of exclusivity, and we can be disoriented by the false assumption that they're so high up that they can't make any mistakes, and they don't have to, therefore, be accountable to us. When you are a ruler of 10 and a ruler of 100, those people can get at you because it's meant for you to be close enough to be a legitimate representative of them <clears throat> to your constituencies so that you actually pass and implement the policies that you are representing the people for, as you know. So this is why I reject democracy and socialists always call it democracy. That's what you're hearing from the left. That's what Obama <clears throat> reneged on the, um, the uh, NDAA. Uh, National Defense Authority Act in terms of allowing our media to propagandize Americans again. It all started there. We had this conversation three weeks ago. So our media is intentionally embracing and employing tactics of language and propaganda to mystify, misdirect, uh, misinform, and threaten and punish with censorship people that don't agree with them because of their of their agendas. But uh, to briefly get back, because I got to let you go, uh, Trump almost was able to implement this policy, but he didn't get that second term, and they made sure he didn't because he would have implemented Agenda F, Schedule F, which would have means that he would have been able to fire significant persons in the deep state. And we would have had a, a really, really different Congress and Senate. I'll say more of that after this break. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. Indeed we are. Let's go to line number two and talk with Paul. Paul on line number two. Paul, are you there? Hi. Hello. Hi, Paul. How's your, how are you today? Oh, just fine. That, uh... Uh, just kind of listening to everybody and everything, I'm kind of, uh, I'm not quite sure what the starting point was, but kind of going back to the one that uh, uh, talking about the deep state, it's kind of uh, difficult to uh, uh, to kind of get into the broader picture that uh, uh, just through the kind of superficial media of the radio and stuff that unless people have a background with things like Gnosticism, spirituality that the, uh, you don't have to go that far paul that, uh well it's, it's hold on for a second there. paul hold on stuff because a lot, a paul, lot of the stuff paul, a lot of the stuff excuse that's been me produced. paul paul are you there yes hello okay, listen to me listen i wanted to share something with you you don't okay. we don't have to go all the way back to the knights templar we don't have to go all the way back to the illuminati we don't have to go back to the rothschilds all those groups I do understand that, maybe you do too, but we don't have to go back there to talk briefly about the people that are part of the established state that, that the Trump administration was trying to address and deal with to shift policy. You don't have to do that. Like, let's say for instance, you are someone that's knowledgeable about the history of the monarchies, the aristocracies, the, the Bilderbergs, the Rothschilds, et cetera. If, if you're knowledgeable about all that, you should be able to, in one minute, 
on a program like this because I could. I'm not, but but I could. You you should be able to say in general what it is that's going on in our government right now in relationship to all the governments of the world in terms of what is called the deep state can only be handled by these procedures. You should be able to tell us can they be handled by these procedures or not? And it wouldn't have to take a two or three hour presentation to do that. Yes, I, I, yeah, the, the, if, we, if we stick to the rule of law according to, uh, according to the constitution, but that's where a lot of the corruptions come in. I agree. That, uh, yeah, is that, uh, what was it, that uh, people, uh, um, people who know the court system, I mean, really well, they know that uh, right now we're under an administrative system rather than a constitutional system. I agree and, with you. Uh, now, how, I agree with you. Now, how can we? How can a an ex, a president who occupies the executive office uses administration to begin to reverse these kind of entrenched systems? Well, the deeply rooted nature of it is as it is that uh, and uh, it raises a lot of issues with Trump is that uh, um, do we have to do we have to let one system destroy itself before the other can be uh, can, can be reestablished and that's so, a great that's a great like, question what's your thought on it that uh, it's uh, like uh, well in the context of uh, could things uh, specifically have been uh, what was it fought against the treason that was being perpetrated in the 2020 right. election and right. uh, stuff? And it was just like, well, I'm kind of uh, come, coming to the realization. It was just like, okay, you know, um, uh, what was it? Um, maybe the country has to uh, has to sink into uh, complete uh, complete collapse before things can uh, be be rebuilt according to a con constitutional the constitutional lines according to the biblical standard for a decentralized decentralized system that's uh, this is where communities like uh, Jefferson up in Northern California are oh coming yeah in I, and I know about many of the areas. societies in that regard let me ask you a question because we could have this conversation and I'm glad I forced you into these lines because you still have to have these conversations on platforms, Paul, where we only get like 12 minutes before between commercial breaks, because that's just the way it is. We could expand further on, you know, a private, um, you know, a podcast program where we could talk for hours like, you know, Joe Rogan and all those guys. I think that that's a perfect platform for having a coherent conversation about the uh, plausibility of uh, reestablishing a constitutional government over against an administrative government government that is anti-constitutional, as you asserted, and even raising the question, can we do this in enough time before all of the um, globalists who are part of the destruction of our national borders and our national sovereignty uh, deploy all of the the wild machinations and and tactics that they're already doing in this soft quiet war, um, and it turned into either a civil war, 
um, or some kind of revolution, which might have to happen as it has historically. As you know, the only reason we had a plausible opportunity at a representative republic is because we were willing to engage in a revolution, you know, uh, two, three hundred years ago. And, and that might be a plausible one, too. So I asked you because no, we got about two minutes to go. And I'm glad I okay. caught you. Um, I'm glad I picked you up. I didn't know who you were. Um, what is your feeling? All you're doing is giving me your opinion, and, and maybe you can call back again in the future. What is your feeling about a gradual uh, reversal of the deep state entrenchment uh, by um, uh, a president that is aware of it and, and, and with the popularity of the people, because this is what Trump is definitely depending on, with the popularity of the people, uh, begin to stop, stave off uh, a lot of these global policies that are destructive for us economically, and then begin to work on these uh, internal policies needed to um, to bring clarity to the American people, because this is going to be a, a top-down, bottom-up job between the president and common people on the ground if we are ever going to turn this around. What is your thought about that being a plausible agenda? Well, that um, with with Trump, there's some there's some big questions over uh, in the context of psychological warfare. What really, what and who he's all about? But I agree uh, with you on that. Um, I but, agree with you on, but, on that. Okay. That is certainly a question to be had. You know what? Our time but, is up. Um, is this the first time you've ever listened to this program? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, keep listening because you'll you'll figure out that you know. I know a lot more about what's going on, and then we can have a deeper conversation. I appreciate your call. I really do appreciate your call. Sounds like you have been studying, <clears throat> and we need to have these conversations. There's a lot of history behind this, and uh, and and the problem is our founding fathers told us that you can you can have a republic if you can keep it, but you're not going to keep it if you are ignorant and uh, and you do not care about the policies about our government, about our Constitution, Bill of Rights, and all that. If you don't care because you're so busy uh, enjoying life, then you are going to lose your republic, and that's where we are today, about to lose it. This is a Monday edition of Lifeline. I thank you for, for watching, listening. Uh, at some point, we will be in a different modality, Lord willing, if I can stay healthy and and achieve that goal. Pray for me, I'll pray for you, and we will continue having this conversation as we go forward. And remember, Jesus is on his throne. And no doubt about that. He's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. There's no doubt about that in any way this goes. He Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.